Your fever is high and the pressure to log in at work is too. But when you finally decide to take care of you, there's Instacart. Just because that one perfect coworker of yours is attending all meetings, camera on while she's sneezing, coughing, and aching, doesn't mean you have to do the same. Take it from us. Trying to stay on top of things will only get you further behind. Instead, get everything from tissues and teas to cough suppressants and comforting soups delivered through Instacart in as fast as 30 minutes. If anyone needs anything, they can just redirect their questions to that one perfect coworker. Worker of yours. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Ookla speed test intelligence data. Fixed median download speeds. US Q3 2023. This is a Grimar Sports on a Sunday morning. Goldschmidt swings and he hits a drive. He hits a slammer. Grimar, your distributor for electrical and data comm needs. Billiken win! Billiken win! From the Stiefel Financial Sports Studio, Tom Ackerman. Back on the show. Welcome back. We have Lutz Fan and Steel joining us in eight minutes here on KMOX to talk about St. Louis City SC, how they played yesterday, and how they continue to get ready for the start of this season. They are just weeks away from their opener. And before that, their CONCACAF Champions Cup match at City Park against Houston. They're going to play on the 20th against Houston, and then they're going to open the MLS season on the 24th. So a lot to do between now and then. They are tuning up and getting ready for you. Their incredible fan base. Lutz is going to be with us at 11.15. John Mosellock at 11.30. They're getting ready for a start as well in a few weeks. They're going to start their first spring training game on the 24th, believe it or not. And spring training begins in nine days when pitchers and catchers report 10 days until the first pitchers and catchers workout. A lot of players are already heading down there, and the Cardinals made a big move over the weekend to get Keenan Middleton, and it is a big move. Uh, he is a good reliever and someone who's going to cost him a little coin, $6 million this year, and with an option, it could be about $11 million. Those are numbers not cited by the Cardinals. They didn't uh, divulge that. That was sourced by MLB.com's Mark Feinsand. Uh, and then at 11.45, we're going to go back in time. Once upon a time, Whitey Herzog was tasked with building a franchise, the St. Louis Cardinals, that struggled through the 70s to gain any traction after a very good 60s decade, 70s not as good. That's putting it lightly. And then in the 80s, one of the great teams of all time. And we'll talk about the 1982 Cardinals specifically with Eric Vickery, who wrote a book about them here on KMOX. That'll be at 1145. Yesterday, something that happened in sports that I hope you were able to catch, you know, putting on an event, we just talked to Chris Zimmerman, the CEO of the Blues. Putting on events is a major, major thing. Moving an event on short notice from one day to the next because of weather is, it can be a nightmare. (laughs) But they got it done, and that would be NASCAR. Uh, They did a terrific job yesterday by putting on the clash and having it in time before the rain came falling. Denny Hamlin won it, but that is just part of the story. Putting together an event like the clash at the Coliseum, the L.A. Coliseum, anything in Los Angeles, uh, I think is quite the task with that amount of crowd and people and all the traffic and everything you have to navigate through that city. But it's rare that big, heavy rains come through there. 
And so they had to prepare for that as well. So this dangerous storm that is now in California was going to wash out the NASCAR race. So they decided to move it up a day, and they hurried. They made it a one-day show. They had Denny Hamlin win it. He started from the pole. He led 59 of the 151 laps. But the star to me is NASCAR here. They only planned to run heat races on Saturday, uh, but they did it all in one day. Los Angeles Memorial Coliseum, old, old facility where they held the 1984 Summer Olympics and a lot of stuff before that through the years. The main event was scheduled for today, but with the heavy rains and the flooding expected in California, NASCAR quickly eliminated the heats. They set the field to 23 by practice speeds, and they qualified, and then 30 minutes later they started the race, and they got it all done. They had to cancel Machine Gun Kelly. He was the halftime and very contrary. NASCAR fans don't hold back when it comes to criticism. They saw his machine gun Kelly. You're like, bah, that's not that's not NASCAR. Anyway, he got canceled anyway. But they got it done, and hats off to him. NASCAR gets criticized a ton by its fans. I always say it's tough love. It's like Cardinals fans. You know, Cardinals fans can be critical, but it's because they love the team. They love the product. They grew up with it. They feel a certain way about it. That's how NASCAR fans, diehard NASCAR fans, feel about their sport. But you got to tip the cap to NASCAR for pulling that off and getting it done in Los Angeles. So nice job there. You could just ask Chris Blair or Curtis Francois or any number of people who run things at Worldwide Technology Raceway about how hard it is to do an event. It is a big deal. And we're going to have another one here in the beginning of June uh, at Worldwide Technology Raceway, the Enjoy Illinois 300. And, you know, they will be prepared for everything. You have to do a lot. You have to have the traffic ready. You got to have first responders there. You have to have the food and beverage sales ready, the emergency protocol, everything, weather. Never know in this area when a storm's going to roll through. So I just have some gratitude for the folks at NASCAR for pulling that off. Not a big Pro Bowl guy. I don't really pay much attention to it. Uh, Tyreek Hill, five-time All-Pro, eight-time Pro Bowl selection, Super Bowl champion. Um, he they, they, he is said to like the idea of having an opportunity to pursue Olympic gold when flag football debuts at the 2028 Summer Games in Los Angeles. That's interesting to me. Now, I like that better. I like the if I were to watch anything – it would be, that, you know, some sort of skill. And this is what the Pro Bowl has gone to. So that it's a little more interesting in that this event is going to conclude today with a seven-on-seven flag exhibition that is going to offer fans and the national television audience a sense of what that could look like with highly skilled talent on the field. And these are the best in the world at it. So that's fun to me because the Pro Bowl was always just a joke. I mean, they're out there not even tackling, and it's not its not football. Just like the NBA All-Star game, I love seeing the guys, but it's not basketball. And hockey, the All-Star game's not really hockey. I mean, they're just, you know, scoring at will. Although this year, you know, the skills and all those things. It, I appreciate greatness, and I, I like watching the greatest in the world do their thing. I would rather watch, you know, back in the day, Brett Favre try to throw a ball the length of the field, see how far he can throw a ball rather than throw passes in a Pro Bowl all day long. I just want to see how the best players in the world do things that I can't do and that I that very few people on the planet can do. That's, that's appealing to me. That is, for me, 
when it comes to soccer, I'm always amazed. And I know those of you who are involved in soccer and have been since you were young can tell the best from the best. We are starting to approach the territory of having one of the better teams on this continent. And in the CONCACAF Champions Cup, St. Louis City SC has been asked to come to the table. How do they compete against some of the best around? We're going to find out because the CONCACAF Champions Cup begins on February 20th at City Park for them against the Houston Dynamo. We'll take a break. Lutz Fanensteel is going to join us right after this on KMOX. Welcome back to the Gray Bar Sports on a Sunday morning. Goldschmidt swings and he hits a drive. He hits a slammer. Gray Bar, your distributor for electrical and data comm needs. Billikens win! Billikens win! Once again, from the Stiefel Financial Sports Studio, Tom Ackerman. It's 11-18. We welcome on this Sports on a Sunday morning... To the show, Lutz Fandensteel, Sporting Director, St. Louis City SC. Always great to have you, Lutz. How are things? Very welcome. Thank you. Greetings from Palm Springs. Yeah, how's everything there? So you had a little match with L.A. How did that go? Yeah, it was yesterday. Uh, played there in the stadium against L.A. Galaxy 1-2-1. Uh, you know, typically test game kind of atmosphere where we played uh, 22 players, so two sets of 11. So lots of time still for for trying things, give everybody a fair chance. And, uh, yeah, winning the game, of course, uh, always uh, gives you gives you a good feeling for sure. That's good. Uh, what are you looking for this time of year as you get a little closer to not only your MLS opener but the CONCACAF Champions Cup? As you start to zero in here on these last couple of weeks, what is the most important thing coming out of Bradley Carnell's camp? Yeah, I think uh, in the end of the day, you know, that the players start to gel. I mean, we don't have a, a huge number of new players, but it's still a, a fair number. Um, and I think uh, it's important to get to know each other on the field, to really get the automatism right, uh, uh, especially with our playing style, the way we're doing things. Uh, everybody needs to be on the same page. And the new guys who arrive now, uh, it's definitely a, a yeah, different kind of football. So it takes a few weeks, it takes a few sessions, and... I think being together now already for the second camp uh, is, a, is a big advantage for us to get that transition period, I will call it, pretty pretty quick done. I asked you this last week, but I'll, I'll kind of ask you to expand on it a little bit. The loss of Nico, and it, it's a big one, but also a great opportunity for him, uh, leaves a hole, it looks like, at striker. How do you see that in terms of offense and, and how you supplement that right now? Yeah, you know, I uh, you know I like to talk in pictures, so I would I would uh, I would paint a nice picture there for you, mm-hmm. uh, Tom. You know, I look at the football team a little bit like a like a pop band, and there is a lead singer, and sometimes you have like a like a ballad where there is like two people singing it. But if you suddenly have three lead singers and everybody wants to be a starter and everybody wants to sing every song, uh, it causes you sometimes uh, uh, more headache than 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 anything good. So uh, I think last year with Sam, with Klaus, and with Nico three absolutely top strikers uh, was was great, but I think it's uh, it's we are now in a situation where we have still uh, Sam and, and Cloud around. We have with uh, a tourist on a guy we signed on purpose uh, last year in the summer to get used exactly into this position. He's by normal position a secondary striker or a hanging striker. So that's exactly the position which normally Nico played in our 4-2-3-1 system. So there is nothing really where we have to have an act of desperation and just jump around and, and sign somebody without thinking uh, because we're getting too worried. We have enough quality in this squad right now. We have the numbers right. But having said that, if we do get the right player, if we get the, the perfect match right now, 
uh, then we will definitely look at the market. And if not, we will wait to the summer. So I think it's up for the boys again in the training sessions right now, what we just discussed before, to show themselves, to give the coach a good feeling, and then be ready to go. Yeah, it, it is deep. Uh, no doubt about it is how you look at it. You want to have depth. You want to be able to give people opportunities to play. Uh, and Bradley Carnell is the one who is making the decisions in and out to, to see who gets that opportunity. You gave him a contract extension through 2025, some very nice job security for him. Uh, how did you see that coming together? Uh, I know you've talked about this extensively with the media, for, but, but for the benefit of our Sunday audience, the extension for Bradley. Yeah, you know, I called it. I called it in the press conference uh, a non-brainer. I think, uh, you know, with the success we had last year, uh, seeing also the way uh, Bradley fits to our way of play, uh, to exactly the DNA, I think it was a it was a pretty clear uh, cut decision for everybody that this is a a very good match and that we wanted to extend uh, and work together for a longer time. So another two years, I think that's a, a very good place for the club to be. That's a very good place also for Bradley to be. And just now. You know, we can we can focus on making the next steps together. Joining us is uh, our producer, Drew Young. If you would allow him a question, he is not only our producer, but a big fan of City. Drew, go right ahead with Lutz. Hey, Lutz. Uh, Drew Young here. So I know you worked with Borussia Dortmund in the past, did some broadcasting games from them, and they're known to have, like, one of the best youth academy and scouting programs in the world. Just curious if there's anything that you draw from them with City or like what's what's kind of like their inspiration to you? Yeah, I mean, you know, Dortmund uh, I have very close connections there working in the Bundesliga for, for 12 years uh, playing there as well myself. So so obviously it's uh, it's always a close connection to lots of clubs. Uh, Dortmund is one of them. So it's not a coincidence that we are from Mbuki, uh, from Borussia Dortmund over here as well. And as you said, you know the way they play. Uh, before when Jurgen Klopp was still the manager, um, it was always a it was always a pleasure to watch because they somehow really have that kind of grit in their game as well. Um, and he said it's scouting younger players, very very similar what we want to do. You're not really trying to go for the for the older guys. We want to be with the young, fresh blood, with the talent players who's still on the way up, and um, yeah, give young players an opportunity. And that is what Dortmund stands for. You look at the Jaden Sancho's of this world, you know, they were 17, 18, 19 years old and they're getting thrown in the cold water, but they do perform. And that is definitely something what we're looking at. But there is other teams in Germany where we really have a lot of a lot of takes from like Hoffenheim, where I worked for eight years, or also Bayer Leverkusen, which has all three teams you mentioned, has a very similar approach like we want to be in the future. And there's definitely lots of little details we can we can pull out. Lutz Vanistil is with us on KMOX. City went 17-12-5 last year. It's inaugural season, and with that claimed the Western Conference regular season title, and with that, a spot in the CONCACAF Champions Cup. This, to me, not only gives your players an opportunity to compete against some of the best, you'll be playing the Houston Dynamo at City Park on February 20th, but doesn't it allow, from a business standpoint, your organization, your franchise, to gain new fans. I mean, we know that the St. Louis fan base is absolutely crazy about you, but would this be an opportunity for somebody to see you for the first time and say, hey, you know, I like that. <laughs> I, I kind of want to I want to follow them a little bit more. Yeah, 100%. You know, I think it's actually an honor for for us to qualify in the first possible way uh, to, to qualify for that international competition. It's always, it must be always the big goal for every player to to represent 
the league and the country, in this case also, of course, the city of St. Louis, in a big international tournament. It's a very old, prestigious competition. I think more than 60 years old, you can qualify for the World Club World Club World Cup, which is uh, some really big competition where you play against the best in the world. So having having that achieved in Iran is great. But of course, now being in there and playing against a team like Dynamos in the first round, which a team we know, which we beat before, is definitely a, a very interesting take because we we know we you know we are we are there to compete. We will try our best, and of course, uh, being in that competition makes us better as a group. It makes the individual players better for sure as well. And as I said, that is what why you're training every day, not just to play MLS, but also be out there and play in an international competition. The Houston Dynamo on the 20th at City Park. If they get by them, they will play the defending champions of Major League Soccer, Columbus, waiting with a bye in that tournament. Remember, Seattle just won this uh, in 2022. They won the CONCACAF Champions Cup, so it should be interesting to see where this goes. And then, of course, the 24th, the MLS opener. We're fired up. I know you are. And I love chatting with you on these Sunday mornings. Thank you for doing this as always. Thanks, Tom. Have a nice weekend. Have a great time out there and safe travels back to St. Louis. We can't wait to see you. You have a nice weekend as well. Lutz Fannensteel with us on KMOX. From one executive to another, John Mosellock, the president of baseball operations of the St. Louis Cardinals, joins us next live at 1130 on Sports on a Sunday Morning, sponsored by Graybar. Once again, from the Stiefel Financial Sports Studio, Tom Ackerman. It's 1130 and we are joined live, as we are every Sunday, by the president of baseball operations of the St. Louis Cardinals, John Mosellock. John, good morning and thanks for being with us as always. Good morning. Happy to do it. And happy February to you. It's time. Uh, baseball starts here shortly. We're nine days away from pitchers and catchers reporting, 10 away from the workouts. I know that players are starting to make their way down there. I, I did want to mention before we get going here and talking a little ball for the next few minutes is that your uh, front office colleague, Michael Gersh, and Matt Slater were both in attendance last night with me at the Provident Behavioral Health Gala at the Chase Park Plaza, where together that entire room of 580-plus people raised over a half million dollars to provide access to people who otherwise would not be able to afford mental health care. 988, the suicide hotline, um, that certainly has uh, gained a lot of attention and I just want to give credit particularly to Mr. Gersh, who serves on the executive board of that organization and has done a terrific job raising awareness and, and donating items, John. So I want to make you aware of that. Well, that's great. And that's a, that's a big number in St. Louis. So that's uh, well done. Yeah. And, and thanks to him and thanks to Matt Slater for being there. And I know they're looking forward to seeing this team as well as you down in spring training. I count nine pitchers uh, that you've added here. Let me see if I have that right. Gray. Gibson, Lynn, uh, and then out of the bullpen, Kittredge, Robertson, O'Brien, Fernandez, James, and now Middleton, Keenan Middleton. That's a, I mean, nine pitchers is a lot, not to mention the ones that you added at the trade deadline last year. So you got a, you got a whole bunch of on your uh, decisions on your hands. It looks like. Well, I mean, as we've talked all winter, um, you know, we've touched on we have to do something different. We knew we had to go out and, and make some changes. And so uh, most of our energy was focused on, on the offense and I'm sorry, on, on the pitching. And, you know, that's where, what we tried to do. And so hopefully this all comes together, you know, certainly looking forward to uh, getting this started. 
Um, one more week we have to wait, but uh, the following week then um, we can really get it going. When you go back and look at Middleton's video, he is impressive. I mean, he has velocity and movement. He's battled some of the better hitters in the late innings, pitching most recently with the White Sox and then traded at the deadline to the Yankees. What is your evaluation of Keenan Middleton, and why did you acquire the 30-year-old? Well, you know, as, as we stated, we were, we were in the bullpen market from day one, our, our main focus, of course, was uh, addressing our rotation. But, you know, we just kept tabs on it uh, the whole offseason. Uh, started to feel like it was starting to move um, Wednesday, Thursday night. And so tried to get something done as, as quickly as possible. Because uh, at some point, there's just not going to be many uh, available options left. And so we're excited to get Keenan. Um, he was somebody we had identified early on in the offseason. But we were just trying to be really patient and see where the market uh, ultimately took it. He is a, a swing and miss guy. Would that be an accurate uh, label on him? I would say most guys that have a thirty percent strikeout rate um, are exactly that. So, you know, that's that's what we we're attracted to, and uh, also had a, a high ground ball rate last year too. So we're hoping that that both those combinations continue. What does he do best? Uh, is it the fastball with movement, or does he have an assortment that he can get you with? Um, obviously, I think he, he starts with his fastball, but has a quality slider and a good changeup. Um, you know, and, and uses both of those a lot. So he's not afraid to to change speeds and you know get you to chase. What was your review on him? Uh, references on him as a person and as a competitor. Um, positive, you know, obviously, um, that's important. You, you want somebody that, uh, um, understands competing, understands competing, uh, um, in high leverage situations. And so overall, I think, uh, he checked a lot of boxes for us and it, it really just came to a, a point where had we not acted, he's probably signing with someone else, uh, this past weekend. So your bullpen now with those names that I mentioned, Andrew Kittredge, Nick Robertson, Riley O'Brien, Ryan Fernandez, uh, Josh James got the the look at a minor league contract, but he's thrown some big league innings and can strike people out. And now Middleton, you throw in there the back end of your pen with Helsley, Gallegos, Romero, Palante, not to mention Libertor and Thompson could get a look in the bullpen, and I'm probably leaving out some others that might get a chance at that sounds pretty hefty. Are, are you pleased right now with what you have in that realm, and, and where do you see that all shaken out? Well, I think now we, we come to camp, we let competition begin, and then we'll determine how we want to put it all together. But, you know, it's, you first got to start with uh, getting the pieces to, to have that competition, and I think we've done that. Some would say that with the Middleton move, the roster is ready to go for spring training. That's it. The Cardinals are ready to go. I I know what your answer probably is to this. You're always looking to add, and I know I've asked you a million times about this, but uh, if something were to come to fruition when it comes to a starter, uh, I would assume that you would not ignore that either, that it's it's never really done with the Cardinals. Well, I just, right now, I, I don't think we'll be in the starting pitching market, given that we have five starters, um, and they're all reasonably compensated. Um, so I doubt we would do something there unless, uh, you know, something came up that, you know, we felt we had to do. But I don't anticipate that happening right now. But in terms of could there still be some roster changes or additions or something like that between now and opening day, 
It's always possible. Can you take me through the Moises Gomez transaction? My understanding is that he did clear waivers, so you are able to to do what you can with Gomez. I know that that did get some attention because of his high power numbers, but also, understandably, some high strikeouts of the minor leagues. So he has some things to work on. Yeah, so we just um, put him out on uh, outright waivers when he cleared. That means we get to retain him. Um, and so, you know, he'll come to camp, still compete. I think the big thing for him is, is yeah, just, just sort of pitch recognition. Um, he has the ability to hit the ball a long way, but you, you got to be consistent. And, and so, you know, hopefully uh, that's something that will happen for him. And, uh, you know, we still retain him, and so we'll see how it shakes out. What is his projection defensively? I mean, does he have a spot where he, he could thrive in the field? I wouldn't say thrive. I think he can be, you know, an adequate defensive outfielder. I think he's someone that could play first if you had to. Um, but I wouldn't put him in, like, you know, a gold glove class, no. Sure. Uh, and speaking of gold glove, that my next one was kind of switching back to the outfield. I'm, I'm still intrigued by Victor Scott. I, I, I'm fascinated to see how he's improved from one spring training to the next. I don't get to go on the road like you to see him play in the minors I probably should but the speed was amazing to me but he added so much to his arsenal didn't he what is your overview of Victor Scott oh I think you know in in Victor's case it's really just about understanding the higher levels Um, you know from just a pure athletic and and tools type of profile it's, it's super exciting but now it comes down to like translating that into consistent baseball performance. But there's a lot to like about him. Um, obviously, getting to first base can almost look like a double or triple right away. And and so, you know, that's, that's a unique skill. Um, you know, I think he's learning his strike zone, and he's doing it at a you know, very impressive rate. I mean, if you think about last year, he's basically walking and strikeout was almost like one-to-one ratio, and, and that's pretty impressive. So... And you combine that with his defense, um, it's really evolved over the last year, and I, I imagine it's going to take another step forward this year. You also, in that Moises Gomez uh, transaction, claimed Alfonso Rivas off waivers. Can you tell us a little bit more about the first baseman outfielder uh, who coincidentally, or, or was it just a coincidence, that uh, went to the same high school and at the same time as Tommy Edmond, or did that play any sort of a factor? No, it really didn't. But uh, <laughs> um, I, I think you know, like anytime you have an opportunity to, to, what in your mind make the arbitrage or the improvement in in a waiver claim, you try to do it. And, and so, another guy with um, some, some serious power, um, you know, a guy that can have a good slug, understands how to get on base, and he too can strike out a little bit, but. You know, definitely thought it was uh, uh, worth acquiring. Well, I appreciate the time on this, and, and thank you for talking a little bit more about Middleton, certainly somebody that uh, opened some eyes and has got some – I mean, I, I could see him possibly even closing a game, couldn't you? I mean, it, it, it's possible. You could see him. He's got, he has a history of doing it. I mean, really what you're hoping for is when you have the, the Helsley, Gallegos, and Romero, then now adding Kittredge and – Middleton, 
these are the type of guys that they're not afraid to pitch in any inning. And, and so on any given night, you might not have one of those first three I mentioned available. So just being able to plug and play just gives the, the manager that type of flexibility. Cardinals have added another one in Keenan Middleton. John Mozalak, thank you for the time. Appreciate it. Looking forward to seeing you in Jupiter soon. All right, sounds good. Thank you. John Mozalock, President of Baseball Operations, St. Louis Cardinals. Quick timeout. When we come back, we take a look back at the 1982 World Champions. What a time that was in this town. It- when the whole family comes together to watch the game, nobody wants to miss a second of the action to run to the grocery store. With Instacart, you can get all your weekly groceries in as fast as an hour. Less time shopping means more game time. Let's go. Visit instacart.com to get free delivery on your first three orders. Offer valid for a limited time. $10 minimum per order. Additional terms apply. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. (laughs) Heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Celebrate and save at Ashley's Anniversary Sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep Mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details is next on KMOX. Spin swings and he hits a drive. He hits a slammer. Graybar, your distributor for electrical and data comm needs. Billikens win! Billikens win! Once again, from the Stiefel Financial Sports Studio, Tom Ackerman. First two have been retired. Gorman has proven, Gorman Thomas has proven to be a tough customer. Suter from the belt to the plate. A swing and a miss. And that's a winner. That's a winner. A World Series winner for the Cardinals. Porter throws his mask into the air. The players converge around the mound. The police arrive on the scene. The canine patrol and the mounted patrol. Some fans manage to get on the field, but they needn't do that and they won't be out there very long. The Cardinals have won the game six to three. The Cardinals have won the National League pennant. And the Cardinals have won the 1982 World Series. What a moment, 1982. The Cardinals win the World Series. And joining us right now to talk about that and more is Eric Vickery, the Alton, Illinois native, author of a new book on the 1982 Cardinals, Running Redbirds, the World Champion, 1982 St. Louis Cardinals, published by McFarland. Eric, thanks for joining us on KMOX. We appreciate it. 
Thank you, Tom. Thanks for having me. Well, it's great to have you. You know, obviously, that is our call right there. That is Jack Buck's call. When I think of the 82 Cardinals, of course, I think of Whitey Ball and Herzog and Ozzy and Willie and everybody. But I do think of Mr. Buck because Jack called that one. And, Eric, that was his only call of a world championship, if you think about it. 1964, uh, Harry Carey was the lead man on the broadcast. 67, it was a national broadcast. 1982, it was a long wait, wasn't it, from 67 to 82 for these fans, and they got it done. It sure was, yeah. It's been 14 years since they made the playoffs and a lot of disappointing years in between, but that was definitely one of the uh, iconic moments in franchise history for sure. What made you want to go back and review 1982? Well, like like many uh, kids growing up in the St. Louis area, I fell in love with baseball during the 80s watching the Whitey Herzog's teams, uh, you know, run around the bases. Guys like Willie McGee, Ozzy Smith, Tom Hurra, Vince Coleman were some of my favorite players uh, kind of growing up in the mid to late 80s. Uh, and I was actually only um, two years old when the 82 World Series took place, so I have you know, no memories of that. But uh, for me, it was really cool to go back and kind of relive that season um, through these guys that I knew. But uh, it's, um, it was a great experience for me. What was the first step for you? How did you go about it? Well, I uh, actually went back and read uh, pretty much every St. Louis Post-Dispatch sports page from about 1980 through the uh, 82 season. So that was my first step was just to really familiarize myself with uh, every aspect as far as how the team was built, how they came together, and then uh, actually what took place on a day-to-day basis. It really is something to think that Whitey Herzog came in and he made some big, bold changes, didn't he? He needed a reliever. He got Bruce Suter. And what was the key to everything? Not only Suter, but making the deal for Ozzie Smith and convincing Ozzie to come to St. Louis. What did you find about that? Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, Whitey's uh, rebuild in the winter of 1980. Uh, during the winter meetings, he basically traded a third of his uh, 40-man roster uh, so totally revamps the, the team, aiming to get more speed and uh, defense into the lineup. And then the following winter, like you said, uh, the acquisition of uh, Ozzy, I think is what really put the team over the top. And, yeah, Ozzy definitely had some reservations uh, to accepting the trade at first. He had a no-trade clause built in his uh, contract with uh, the Padres, which was pretty unusual for a, such a young player. Um, but Whitey uh, and Ozzy met up uh, after – a month or two of negotiations, and uh, Whitey talked Ozzy into uh, accepting the trade, and the rest is history. You know, you think of 67 and 68 might be the top two teams in Cardinals history. I mean, really. 67, I think, is number one of all time. 68, probably number two of all time, if not close to it, because of how dominant that team was. Again, they ended up losing to the Tigers in the World Series, but that long wait, uh, what was that like in 1980? Uh, if you could describe what you learned about the state of the ball club at that time before Whitey started making all of those moves. It was a proud franchise, of course. Lou Brock is still going through the 70s. He ends up retiring at the end of the 1970s with still strong ownership, right, Eric, with uh, Gussie Bush? Absolutely, yeah. And the team had a lot of individual accomplishments throughout the 70s. You know, Bob Gibson uh, throwing a no-hitter, kind of ending his story career. Uh, Lou Brock uh, setting the stolen base record, uh, Bob Forsch throwing a no-hitter of his own, um, 
Templeton coming on the scene in the late 70s. So lots of individual accomplishments, but not a lot of uh, winning as a team. Um, and when uh, Whitey inherited the team in 1980, the team was really struggling. They were in last place uh, when he came on in June. Um, and he, he set the tone right away. The team immediately went on a little bit of a winning streak and um, had a much better record that season and then had a, a decent chance of making the playoffs in 1981 if it weren't for the unusual split season format that resulted from the strike. Yeah, without a doubt. And then 82. I mean, the Cardinals were built then and they are now on pitching and defense in a lot of ways. I know we talk about the speed a lot, but, boy, they had some solid pitching, didn't they, Eric? And defensively, just look around that infield. Now, I was a young man. I was born in 75, so I'm just slightly older than you. I was seven during the 82 season, but I can still remember going to games with my dad and seeing an infield of Keith Hernandez, Tommy Herr, Ozzie Smith, Ken Obergfell. That's pretty good. Yeah, definitely one of the all-time great defenses in the game, no doubt. And uh, a pretty good outfield as well. No question. Lonnie Smith, Willie McGee, the young Willie McGee, and George yep. Hendrick and Wright, Daryl Porter behind the plate. But in 1982 and in any championship season, you need unexpected contributions to lift the team, I believe, in any championship season. And here's one of them, Mike Shannon on the call. Wilmer's the big runner. He's at third. Two down. Sacks jam. Lavelle at the belt. Checks. Brummer stealing home. He is saved, and the Cardinals win. Brummer stole home. The dugout comes out, and they congratulate him. You wouldn't believe it. Glenn Brummer steals home, and now the Giants are out arguing about the call. The umpire never called the two-strike pitch, and it was right down the middle. That's <laughs> one of Mike's, if not his greatest call uh, of his career, 1982. Glenn Brummer stealing home. Eric, what a moment. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, that's unbelievable that your third string catcher stealing home to win a game. I mean, that's, uh, I'm not sure that's ever happened in the game uh, in history. But, yeah, like you said, up contributions up and down the roster. Guys like Mike Ramsey, Dane Orridge um, coming off the bench, Gene Tennis. Um, it's definitely take a team effort to, uh, to win the World Series that year. And they had a lot of contributions from guys. Uh, who aren't necessarily household names. Yeah, and I wanted to dive into that a little bit more before we go. Eric, Eric Vickery's with us. His book, Running Redbirds, is going to be a huge hit among Cardinals fans, especially as we get into this baseball season. And right now here in February, everybody needs a little lift, get a little baseball in them. But, you know, you can look at the book and, and hear all about the wins over the Braves and then the Brewers ultimately for the World Series. But, you know, I, I am interested in some of your discoveries and what you found in this book, which is really good, by the way, um, that surprised you maybe, something you did not know about the 1982 team. Well, I think the team is certainly most known for its speed and you know, stealing 200 bases that year, uh, its lack of power, only hitting 67 home runs. But I think what surprised me most was how good the pitching was. Uh, the pitching really carried that team at uh, different points through the season, and especially down the September uh, playoff push. They had an ERA of 2.48 in September in the first the last few games in October, while the uh, team batting average was in the 230s. Uh, so guys like Joaquin Andahar, uh, of course Bob Forsh, a couple rookies, John Stuper and Dave LaPointe stepping up. Uh, and then all you had to do was get a lead going into the eighth inning and you had Bruce Suter to nail it down. So the pitching was what uh, kind of surprised me at how dominant they were 
uh, to get the team into the playoffs. You had Willie's unbelievable game in Milwaukee. You had the Cardinals down 3-2 to two in the series coming home. And I went to Game 6, Eric, as a 7-year-old boy. Uh, I did not go to Game 7. We had two tickets. I got to do Game 6, the rain delay, the 13-1 to win. And speaking of unexpected contributions and great pitching, John Stuper shuts the door on the Brewers in Game 6. What a day that was. Oh, unbelievable, yeah. And the fact that he stayed in the game through more than two hours of rain delays, uh, not something you'd see nowadays, I don't think. But, uh, yeah, one of the uh, great performances by a, a rookie pitcher in World Series history. And the 6-3 to three win in Game 7, and I want people to read the book to, to read about it in depth, but when the fans rush the field, I think, I might be wrong about this, but I think it's the last time that that happened. Uh, in Major League Baseball, I'd have to go back and see. I don't. I'm not sure that they allowed that to happen ever again. But they flooded the the field of the old Bush Stadium. <laughs> yeah, I certainly I don't remember seeing that uh, since I've been watching baseball uh, since the mid '80s. So I think you might be right. Yeah, what a time. Well, I really appreciate this visit on Sports on a Sunday Morning. I wish we had even more time uh, to talk about the book. But you know what? That gets them to go out and get it because they should. Uh, Running Redbirds, the world champion, 1982 St. Louis Cardinals. It's published by McFarland. Eric, can you get it pretty much anywhere? How do you get it? Yeah, so it's uh, a small publisher. So it's not available uh, widely in bookstores. Uh, in the St. Louis area, I think a couple of independent stores, Spine and uh, Main Street Books in St. Charles carries it, uh, but really any online bookseller um, would, would carry it. Well, it's exciting, uh, no doubt, to have a, a new book about the Cardinals. I know that they come out a lot, but when you go in-depth about a single season, I think that's pretty special. Of course, you mentioned sort of the ramp up to 82, but when you go back and look at it, 85 maybe one of the greatest seasons in the history of the team. They just fell short. I mentioned mm-hmm. 68, 67. 04 came up a little short. The 11 team is a dramatic story. But 82, Eric, how would you, as we wrap up here with you, describe in a few sentences what 82 encapsulates in Cardinals history? Well, it was really the, the pinnacle of one of the great areas in Cardinals history, you know, Whitey Ball uh, throughout the 80s. Uh, some very successful teams, like you said. But that was the only team that, that won it all. And, you know, nothing – no team is remembered more than a world championship uh, team, and that '82 team uh, is certainly one of the uh, uh, you know, great teams in franchise history. No doubt, the MVP of the World Series that year was Daryl Porter, and we're going to end our show with a highlight from him. Eric, thanks very much. Congratulations on the book. Thanks so much, Tom. Appreciate it. Eric Vickery with us. Let's take a listen, and thanks for joining us on Sports on a Sunday Morning. Now it's Porter's job, as it was over at Fells earlier, to pull the ball, move the runner over somehow, preferably drive him home. The pitch to Darrell. Swing and a long one into right field. Way back. Adios. And the Cardinals lead 4 to nothing. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas Phoenix, and Rhode Island. Jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Ucalypt Speed Test Intelligence Data Fixed Median Download Speeds USQ3 2023.
Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. <laughs> Heaven! Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1,500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details.